Volume Three, Chapter Twenty Three of Gwenwin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwenwin, A Romance of the Wye by Mainbreed, Volume Three, Chapter Twenty Three. A Justifiable Abduction. It is a moonless November night, and a fog drifting down from the Pas de Calais envelopes Boulogne in its damp, clammy embrace. The great cathedral clock is tolling twelve midnight, and the streets are deserted, the last wooden hilled soulier having ceased clattering over their cobblestone pavements. If a foot passenger be abroad, he is some belated individual groping his way home from the Café de Billiards he frequents, or the circle to which he belongs. Even the sergeants de ville are scarcer than usual, those seen being huddled up under the shelter of friendly porches, while the invisible ones are making themselves yet more snug inside cabarets whose openness beyond licensed hours they wink at in return for the accommodation afforded it is in truth a most disagreeable night cold as dark for the fog has frost in it for all there are three men in the streets of boulogne who regard neither its chillness nor obscurity instead this last is just what they desire and for days past have been waiting for they who thus delight in darkness are major mahon captain ryecroft and the waterman wingate not because they have thoughts of doing evil for their purposes of the very opposite character to release a captive from captivity the night has arrived when in accordance with the promise made on that sheet of paper so dexterously pitched into her cloister the sir marie is to see friends in front of her window they are the friends about to attempt taking her out of it they are not going blindly about the thing unlikely old campaigners as mahon and ryecroft would during the interval since that warning summons was sent in they have made thorough reconnaissance of the ground taken stock of the convent's precincts and surroundings in short considered every circumstance of difficulty and danger they are therefore prepared with all the means and appliances for effecting their design just as the last stroke of the clock ceases its booming reverberation they issue forth from mahon's house and turning up the rue tintelliere strike along a narrower street which leads on toward the ancient city the two officers walk arm in arm ryecroft stranger to the place needing guidance while the boatman goes behind with that carried aslant his shoulder which were it of the banks of the wye might be taken for a pair of oars it is nevertheless a thing altogether different a light ladder though were it hundreds weight he would neither stagger nor groan under it the errand he is upon knits his sinews giving him the strength of a giant they proceed with extreme caution all three silent as spectres when any sound comes to their ears as the shutting to of a door 
or distant footfall upon the ill-paved trottoirs they make instant stop and stand listening speech passing among themselves only in whispers but as these interruptions are few they make fair progress and in less than twenty minutes after leaving the major's house they have reached the spot where the real action is to commence this is in the narrow lane which runs along the enceinte of the convent at back a thoroughfare little used even in daytime but after night solitary as a desert and on this especial night dark as dungeon itself they know the allee well have traversed its scores of times within the last few days as nights and could go through it blindfold and they also know the enclosure wall with its exact height just that of the cloister window beyond and a little less than their ladder which has been selected with an eye to dimensions while its bearer is easing it off his shoulder and planting it firmly in place a short whispered dialogue occurs between the other two the major saying we won't all three be needed for the work inside one of us may remain here nay must those sergeants de ville might be prowling about or some of the convent people themselves in which case we'll need warning before we dare venture back over the wall if caught on the top of it the petticoats obstructing ay or without them twould go ill with us quite true assents the captain which of us do you propose staying here jack yes certainly and for more reasons than one excited as he is now once getting his old flame into his arms he'd be all on fire perhaps with noise enough to wake the whole sleeping sisterhood and bring them clamouring around us like crows about an owl that had intruded into the rookery besides there's a staff of male servants for they have such half a score of stout fellows who'd show fight a big bell too by ringing which they can rouse the town therefore master jack must remain here you tell him he must jack is told with reasons given though not exactly the real ones endorsing them the major says don't be so impatient my good fellow it will make but a few seconds difference and then you'll have your girl by your side sure whereas acting inconsiderately you may never set eyes on her the fight in the front will be easy our greatest dangers from behind and you can do better in every way as for yourself by keeping the rear guard he thus counselled is convinced and though much disliking it yields prompt obedience how could he otherwise he is in the hands of men his superiors in rank and experience and is it not for him they are there risking liberty it may be life having promised to keep his impulsiveness in check he is instructed what to do simply to lie concealed under the shadow of the wall and should any one be outside when he hears a low whistle he is not to reply to it the signal so arranged mahon and ryecroft mount over the wall taking the ladder along with them and leaving the waterman to reflect in nervous anxiety how near his mary is and yet how far off she still may be once inside the garden the other two strike off along a walk 
leading in the direction of the spot which is their objective point they go as if every grain of sand pressed by their feet had a friend's life in it the very cats of the convent could not traverse its grounds more silently their caution is rewarded for they arrive at the cloister sought without interruption to see its casement open with a pale face in it a picture of madonna on a background of black through the white film looking as if it were veiled but though dense the fog it does not hinder them from perceiving that the expression of that face is one of expectancy nor her from recognizing them as the friends who were to be under the window with that voice from the wise side still echoing in her ears she sees her deliverers at hand they have indeed come a woman of weak nerves would under the circumstances be excited possibly cry out but sir marie is not such and without uttering a word even the slightest ejaculation she stands still and patiently waits while a wrench is applied to the rotten bar of iron soon snapping it from its support as though it were but a stick of macaroni it is ryecroft who performs this burglarious feat and into his arms she delivers herself to be conducted down the ladder which is done without as yet a word having been exchanged between them only after reaching the ground and there is some feeling of safety he whispers to her keep up your courage mary your jack is waiting for you outside the wall here take my hand mary my jack and you you her voice becomes inaudible and she totters back against the wall she's swooning has fainted mutters the major which ryecroft already knows having stretched out his arms and caught her as she is sinking to the earth it is the sudden change into the open air he says we must carry her major you go ahead with the ladder i can manage the girl myself while speaking he lifts the unconscious form and bears it away no light weight either but to strength as his only a feather the major going in advance with the ladder guides him through the mist and in a few seconds they reach the outer wall Mahon giving a low whistle as he approaches it is almost instantly answered by another from the outside telling them the coast is clear and in three minutes after they are also on the outside the girl still resting in ryecroft's arms the waterman wishes to relieve him agonized by the thought that his sweetheart who has passed unscathed as it were through the very gates of death may after all be dead he urges it but mahon knowing the danger of delay forbids any sentimental interference commanding jack to re-shoulder the ladder and follow as before then striking off in indian file the major first the captain with his burden in the centre the boatman bringing up behind they retrace their steps towards the rue tintelliers if ryecroft but knew who he is carrying he would bear her if not more tenderly with far different emotions and keener solicitude 
about her recovery from that swoon it is only after she is out of his arms and lying upon a couch in major mahon's house the hood drawn back and the light shining on her face that he experiences a thrill strange and wild as ever felt by a mortal man no wonder seeing it is gwendoline wynne gwen he exclaims in a very ecstasy of joy as her pulsing breast and opened eyes tell of returned consciousness vivian is the murmured rejoinder their lips meeting in delirious contact poor jack wingate end of chapter twenty three read by lars rolander